Good evening, welcome to. Oh, I was about to say RGB Breaks, but no, it's not. It's Carl Authority here on a Thursday night. What episode are we up to? Oh, 24. 24. Welcome to everyone on a Thursday night. G'day, everyone. Thank you, Wado, Mish, Glenn, Robert, and Mason. Yeah, Robert, 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 and Mason. And of course, Jenkins. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome to, to you, you, my, my friend. friend. This, this is a little, little bit out of the blue, this episode. Double echo mic. Yes, let me just turn on the sound so I want to see if that fixes it. Is that better? You turn that mic off. Hopefully that fixes it. Is that better? Yeah, that sounds better. It's still echo? Hopefully that's better. No, that's better. Yeah. yeah. No, there is an echo. What is going on here? Uh, I don't know where the sound's coming from tonight. Much better? All right, cool. No, I can hear background stuff. Now that sounds That's cool. Yeah, I think it's just my phone. Yeah, it's my phone. Yeah, that should be okay. Beautiful. Um, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we, look, first uh, yeah, first time, Corey. So what happened during the week? Just a little side note. This is open mic night, so it's all that you guys were certainly going to be uh, answering questions from you guys. The floor is yours. But I came into the office on Monday morning, and I can normally tell when Jankovic has been up late doing his conference calls and the things that he the does. The studio and the office is the same thing. Yeah. Take note. Well, no. it's a studio that AJ decided would become his office. Well, I mean, someone's got to work around here. And suddenly there were some empty or half-drunken bottles of water, which is a clear sign that Jankovic has been here. There was some sort of random crisp or cracker that was sitting on the desk. And I turned my computer on and... My monitor was smashed. This monitor here. You guys won't see it, obviously. And it was not smashed once, but it was smashed twice. There were also some other weird lights mounted on different things. So I'm on the phone. I'm like, cover your ears if you're under 18. What the fuck is going on with my monitor, Jenks? And you're like, what, what, what? So anyway, we have to rewire everything tonight. We did get a new monitor. The, the moral of the story is that the monitor for AJ1's benefit grew by 10 inches in just four right. days. Right. So that's pretty impressive stuff for him, but uh, Still a we, may have, we may have done a little bit of a rewiring job, which seems to have impacted our broadcast at yeah, that point. a little so, bit. Anyway, we'll, we'll just get along with it. We're, we're on track. All right, so obviously uh, the, the floor is yours tonight, guys. Obviously, we'll, uh, we've got a couple of things we want to talk about, which we'll go through um, if we need to, but... Obviously, you know, the questions are there for you guys to ask and we will attempt to answer. An impromptu episode. We'll yeah, yeah, it could maybe, be dangerous. Maybe we'll start with a little recap of what's gone on over the last sort of week or so, AJ. Sure. In the trading card world. So big stuff going on at the moment. Obviously, the National Card Convention over in America. Yep. Which I believe is the biggest card convention the in NCC. the world. The NCC just started today and it goes until Sunday or started Wednesday US time. Yep. Uh, a few big highlights out of there. I saw a LeBron rookie auto, I think it was, sold for... Hang on, Jenks. These are important questions. 4.3. How did the million. monitor get smashed? Look, wait. When How did the monitor sure. break? It's all flowing through here. Good good questions. Um, still mysteries. AJ seems to think it looked like there was two impact points that had been shot by a BB gun, in fact. So uh, some pretty serious accusations were thrown around about the screen. Yeah, I did ask but, whether um, there were some flailing legs. I'll, or I'll tell you what, one thing I do know, they are not having screen issues down at the NCC, yep. where a LeBron James card, I believe it was, sold today for, it was $4.34 million US dollars. Nice. Transacted between a stall holder and a attendee at the NCC. Yep. I also saw PSA came out after two hours. So, oh, so they don't walk up submissions. Yeah, so they? PSA set up this situation for walk up submissions whilst they were set up at the NCC. So they would physically take your card off you rather than having to send it in. Mm -hmm. It was a way to get past the backlog and all that sort of stuff. So yep. a bit of VIP treatment for those in attendance. And I saw after two hours they put out an announcement saying that their forecast, they had reached already 80% of the week's forecast for the entire convention. And as a result, um, after a couple of hours on day one, they were closing the submissions already. Mm. So 
a lot of people have talked in the last couple of weeks about the NCC being a real barometer for the state of the, the hobby at an international level, and especially with the international products like your NBA and your NFL and, and whatnot. Yep. And other international sports cards. And um, yeah, by all means, I think day one numbers look huge in regards to attendance and interactions and stuff like that. Which so, is certainly going to be some good yeah. markers because look, we've certainly talked not only on air but also off air that there there is the standard NBA dip at the end of season where people kind of lose a little bit of interest and then they want to do other things. So seeing that a conference like that leading into NFL season, yeah. that there's still lots of strength and more to the point, people walking through the door. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I think... You know, we'll probably, we'll keep following it, obviously, we'll keep our finger on the pulse, but I'm sure some more interesting information and, and you know, about attendances and, and whatnot and sales will come out over the next few days as well. And, uh, you know, I would like to think by the end of the week we'll, we'll have a really good indicator. Yep. By the we'll end talk of about the next week, we'll, next yeah, show. We'll, we'll have a good indication of what's actually going on there. All right, so it's all about you guys. So let's uh, get into the questions. Um, Glenn, I'll answer this one carefully. I want to know if you know of any violence coming from card trading or deals I know it's not the level of US sports, but people still get angry and upset. Um, no is a short answer. I don't know of any. I'm, yeah, I'll look, I'm not aware of any physical violence. I've certainly heard urban myths that, you know, people have had things stolen and stuff like that. Obviously, you see a lot of unveiled threats go around on social media yeah. and whatnot. But certainly, Glenn, we are, I think, I, I think you're probably making a bit of, uh, I suppose the trigger point here, pardon the pun, but the trigger point's probably what you've seen with Walmart and stuff like that going on in the US where there's literally been armed robberies in the car parks, yep. people fighting, shootings have taken place over people trying to access NBA cards and everything. Yep. So a few things is one, culturally we're very different to how they are in the States. Two, we don't have access to the firearms and whatnot. And I think in Australia, there's good old fashioned biffo. So people have some words, someone punches each other and they go drink a beer together. Yeah. So and, and, and it's, it's and, just different. And, yeah. I, and I think, yeah, it's just different too. And I think there's, there's certainly an element of people that feel um, like with a lot of communities, not just trading cards, people feel comfortable behind a keyboard. But it's like, also, I think culturally, it just doesn't happen. culturally yeah. we're different. America has huge issues with, you know, huge, huge issues with finance at a financial level for different individuals and, a lot of people living below the poverty line, all that right. stuff. Anyway, so, it's, good, yeah. Clever question. Interesting question. Clever question. Interesting Glenn, question. Start. Next. Uh, Wade, in Jenks' defense, my TV always mysteriously breaks when I need a larger one. Well, funny you say that. Only literally that day before, Minx was saying how he wanted curved monitors. So, uh, it could be a little bit of a... No curved monitors, yep. yeah. James, the, the big Frio collector. Um, good question here. And I'm only joking, James, before you get upset. Crystal ball question, do you think if lockdowns are a thing of the past next year, will footy carb hype settle down a bit or continue to grow? So I think there's two parts to that. First of all, I think lockdowns will definitely continue in some fashion next year. Yeah. Australia's just so behind the curve with um, vaccinations. vaccinations. But also, I think the next concern is going to be that the mutations and the variants and we're, it's just gonna yeah, we're certainly not epidemiologists over here, but well, I'm definitely not. Yeah, I'm definitely not either. <laughs> I know some people in that area, but uh, yeah, I think the, the COVID situation will be with us the way it is at the moment for a period of time. You would think probably another six to 12-ish sort of months. At least. Um, however, like I think up until probably 2025, 2026 or even forever, the world as we know it has changed in the way things function. Like we will have been conditioned over a period of time by our surroundings that... All right, well, don't drift yeah. too much on the question. Like, yeah. yeah, so the short answer is yes, lockdowns. But regarding the footy card hype will settle down, that was obviously looked at really heavily after the big lockdown last year. And obviously probably being a bit more Victorian-based, um, it's a little bit of a, an epicenter for it. But I think what happened is it's been a perfect storm that COVID helped accelerate the collecting of not only footy cards, but lots of other things. But now there's such a critical mass of people doing it. Yeah. It's shown, lockdown or not, there's still a huge appetite for it. I'm pretty certain if we go back and look at the metrics and our data points is that the period that we went through basically between January and June this year, which is when basically nobody was in lockdown Australia-wide, 
yeah, it was the biggest growth for AFL, biggest six-month growth period for AFL cards we've seen. So we talked about the second half of last year or sort of basically March to December last year being a huge period and everyone, a lot of people were attributing it to COVID and we attribute some of it to COVID. We think COVID was an accelerator but the interest in trading cards and alternate collectibles was well and truly taking place before COVID kicked in. Yep. COVID pumped it all up, took it right out there, got people who were on the sidelines who got exposed, got into it. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I know my opinion is differs to a lot of people. I don't think that lockdowns are the key motivator for what's driving trading cards. I think it's a shift. It's a mindset shift. And it's also cyclical in terms of the demographic and the age group where a lot of people, our sort of age group, AJ, uh, who were big into cards in the late 80s, early 90s when we were younger, all of a sudden they're at a point in life now where things are attainable and we've got money to spend. And I think it was just, again, it was just one of the contributing factors to the perfect storm of cards, not only AFL but NBA around the world, just growing. Yeah. Um, All right, we'll keep moving. James Taylor talking about LeBron cards in his 2020 and 2021 Noir sneaker spotlights worth chasing. Um, I'm certainly no NBA expert. I see Mario did say, yeah, they're yeah. huge cards at 5K. So I'm not an expert, but I know the sneaker spotlight cards were obviously... The, Mince the, talks the, about them all the they, time. They were the subset that everyone loved and a lot of people yep. chased, and that was the big stuff everyone was chasing in NBA breaks last year. I would say that given the demand on those, although I'm presuming they've dipped as well, and Mario will be able to say if that's the case or not, Presumably, they've dipped off with a lot of the rest of the market at this point in time. The season's over. It did reach some pretty high ceilings and stuff. Yep. But I would think that the sneaker spotlights, because they were so well collected, would be a set that maintains value over time. I yeah. think any LeBron card at those kind <coughs> shows of what's being selling now, yeah. um, they're probably not the worst investment, would be yeah. my guess, but certainly no expert. That's a good question. Yep. I'm gonna, that's exactly where I'm moving to now. So Rewalt 12... What needs to be done to get the, the newer collectors interested in vintage AFL cards? Well, I mean, we've certainly talked about this and not predicted, but certainly saw the trends over this in the last couple of months. And we yeah. talked about it many times on the show yeah. that as people start collecting a current set, they then look to get more motivated, interested, yeah. and they start back collecting teams yeah. or players or subsets or things Whatever like that. Be, yeah. And I think that's the natural progression as you have a bigger base of people collecting different things yeah. that organically they push back to go and collect older um, older series. Yeah, I think things that like, there, there was a true sign for me, and actually I haven't even said this to you, but when Brilliance got released, I remember we looked at the, the checklist and all the current day player cards were all pretty obvious. Yeah. But I looked at some of those older players or the vintage players, yeah. and I'm like, gee, I just don't know if they're going to be popular. Yeah. I can say I was wrong. Well, that the, the, so right. many people yeah. wanted to the collect veterans, the, the subset veterans, of the that, veterans. That, yeah, the veterans are the ones. So it shows there's a clear hunger for that. Yeah. But then again, it also contradicts a little bit about what happened with the high flyers in Dominance 2020, sure. where it was similar players, but they were not as desirable. Well, they were hot out the box, like everything sort of is, yep. and then it sort of, and then it, and then it slowed down. But I think, like, I suppose the question relates to things like your Scanlans and your Cornies and all these older cards that predate Select, and we'll, we'll call them the pre pre modern era cards. Yep. And it's 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 an interesting one. Like you know, for me, obviously, I'm trying to get all those cards for my master for my Saints master set. However, my priority at the moment is still being Select and getting the select stuff out of the way whilst gap-filling the others, but not as a priority. I wonder, though, does it beg the question of the new collectors who come in now and maybe from a slightly younger demographic, are they disinterested from the outset in the older-style cards because they're not shiny and they're not serial-numbered and they're not exciting? Like, it's really interesting. I reckon there's a lot of people and a lot of people that be on this stream right now and certainly within the collector's community who would much prefer their old Scanlans or their Cornies cards sure. over any modern day card. Yep. Whereas for me, I, I can look at my display and I acknowledge that my 63 Scanlan St Kilda card is worth as much, if not more, than a lot of my super low-numbered, exciting, low-print-run modern cards. Yep. But to me, if I had the choice of that house is burning down and I've got to pick a couple of things... That 63 Scanlands, which is super rare, is not at the top of the list of the ones that I actually would probably run out of the house, and, and I think, which is really interesting. It's just a psychological thing. And I guess it gets down to the thing of 
people, as much as we talk about the business of cards, collecting is an emotive thing. Yeah. And I know for me, example, you know, I keep, I've talked about many times, I love my Dusty's Footy's Finest card. Yeah. It was one of the first big Dusty's cards I bought. I think it's beautiful to look at. Yeah. That doesn't mean I love, I, I don't love the current ones as yeah. well. Yeah. But that card holds a special place. So, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to be, if my house is on fire, I'm grabbing that first before I'm perhaps grabbing a marquee or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I think there's different motives of why people want to go back and collect. But I think, you know, Rewalt 12 from YouTube, that's definitely the natural progression of how people go and look at those vintage cards and move to them. Yeah. Uh, Matt Thuma, who do you think will be the next Dusty Level individually chase card? Now... We all know what James is going to say. Maybe, maybe we just set the scene for this. What's going on with Dusty that a question like that would even so come to life? Dusty is obviously, you know, everyone talks about the, the Richmond tax and the Collingwood tax that's been around. Yeah. And then there's the Dusty tax where it seems to be any Dusty card is at its own level of pricing. Yeah. Um, some of it are absolutely insane. But some would argue that if you're trying to do some sort of parallel uh, comparison to pay perhaps NBA, Maybe does he become a LeBron or a Jordan where not necessarily achievement, I don't want people to jump down my throat, but people want to cheer for Dusty that don't barrack for, du for yeah. Richmond. Yeah. And it becomes a player that becomes super popular. Kind of maybe a little bit like Gary Ablett, I guess. Yeah. And maybe Lee Matthews in the, you know, Tony Lockett we've talked about as yeah. well. So, you know, do I think there's going to be other players? And to answer your question, for me, off the top of my head, I think Sam Walsh is going to be one of those players. Potentially, yeah. That I think that if they can get the on-field success, he is so young and in the right profile. Yeah. And there's enough people collecting cards that he could be someone that could be really, really popular. Yeah. Um, I know you're probably going to say your boy, Seb Ross. Yeah. Um, uh, here's the thing. Like, <laughs> I, it, I, don't, I would almost say maybe Max King over Jack Steele becomes that sort of player. Max if King. If he can become that absolute superstar that kicks a record yep. amount of goals and... Yep. you know, a forward that wins a Brownlow or something in the modern era, something like that. Yep. It's hard to say. But uh, the other thing is the players ultimately need to be from big clubs and they need to finish their careers at big clubs as well. And the club needs to have success. Yeah, and the club needs to have success. And some, needs to have, yeah, in yeah. Some so you can have body. personal accolades yeah. and club success. Yeah, there needs to be club success. Which obviously Dusty has had. Body. There needs to be a legacy almost. That, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In history. Yeah. So good question. Yeah, good um, question. Probably but, we're both in agreement. probably Sam Walsh's Probably, yeah. I think it's a bit early. Like I see Petrarca getting mentioned. I think you know again, it's just like if someone like a Warple reaches true potential. Yep. And so those guys again, they need the success as a club, and they also need Petrarca's probably a bit old to get to it. It's I think Melbourne, behind Melbourne would have years. to. Yeah, I, I yeah, Petrarca's a bit of a weird one. And again, I'm not. You know, it's not taking away from any of those players. You just, you know, it's going to be very hard for someone to rep. Like Luke Hodge, yeah, was kind of like Dusty, yeah, Premiership captain, successful, yeah. lots of awards, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, you look at his influential. That is, it's not just Dusty's success. It's it's the look, the image, the yeah. bad boy tats, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. there's a lot to it. It's what happened early in his career. Yep, I think the Dusty thing is a story that it's like. This rough as guts bloke has gone on to well, Nick Tattoo and arguably become the greatest footy player of all time, like, yep. or one of you know. And look, the, the debate's going to be on for years, and again, it's generational, cyclical. You know, people like our parents' age, you know, talk about like we had a conversation with your dad the other day, how he was just saying, you know, Lockett, you know, leaves. Carey, Jonathan Brown, all these guys for dead. Yeah. You know, whereas I'm trying to debate that Jack Rewald's the greatest forward ever. Yeah, whereas I've always maintained that Jack Rewald is the lesser Rewald. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so, but look, that's a, a healthy debate. And I guess, look, it's going to, you know, there's so many factors for us to say. But Crystal Ball, I mean, Sam Walsh. Um, any player, Swankies, from getting Optimum card on the Optimum set? Will, no idea. We don't. We know literally as much as you guys do about yeah. Optimum. Um, Commercial confidence as the owner of the company. We're not allowed yeah, to say. Yeah, be serious, be serious. But well, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know anything else. So, we don't know. Um, your guess is as good as ours. But generally, those cards, um, all the top-end inserts from Series 2 are generally all the... Well, Series 2, you're effectively going to have the draft pick signatures from whoever the leading draft... But the, to the top-end cards are going to be the good players that everyone Yeah, has. we would like to think there'll be something that's the equivalent of a dominance card number to 50, 60, whatever it may yep. be, or equivalent of a high flyer, and then yep. equivalent of, like, your, your big six and stuff. Um, so, yeah. I'll leave that, I'll leave that, I'll leave that. I'm not leaving it, but just... Uh, 
Uh, Mason Jack, okay. I saw today's highlight milestones and went to select comments about the case cards. Select is saying that they will do case cards next year. Does that mean the 300 gamers who got a highlight this year will get a game card as well? So, yeah, look, we obviously touched on this last show or the week before. We did both. And yeah. um, it's good that Select have been clearly, well, thank you for listening to me. Yeah. Um, I assume I next year. Feedback. Yeah, I assume next year the way it's going to be done is it'll be become a case insert because the days of buying cases are over. It will just end up being another case insert in a series 1.5 or a series two product. Yeah. Um, you know, the highlight cards are their own separate beast. It's yeah. like a series That's of cards. Else. And it looks like they've introduced a milestone highlight type of card. Yeah. They had them a couple of years ago as well, the retiree cards. Yeah. So it's just yeah. people are very quick to say that these milestone cards are the new 300 cards. They're not. It's a, it's a milestone card so, commemorating that milestone, whereas a 300-game commemorative card or a 400-game or whatever well, it is. They're called case cards. Like, they're they're literally called case yeah. cards. Like they're CC on the back of them. They're called case cards. And just for those who don't know what they actually are, so 300-game case cards, there's been both signature and non-signature versions each year of those cards, and they're not something that you find in packets. Where they mostly ended up was with dealers, to be honest, because up until the last year or so, your average person, unless you're a big master set collector, very rarely would someone have ever purchased the case. So it's always been the retailers and the dealers that purchased the cases. They included case cards and case card signatures, the signatures numbered to 50 and the normal case cards numbered to 200 as an incentive and almost a reward hmm. to back to the dealers and the retailers to buy the cases because a lot of the a lot of those dealers are having to sell single cards. So they're opening up a lot of stock. And it was basically a way to, to offset it. Now, two things have sort of happened. One, you can't, you basically not, you, the, the public can't purchase sealed stock in case form anymore as we've started to discover mm -hmm. but two the value of singles and the value of cards has gone up so significantly that they don't actually need that case card incentive now when i say it's in a case it's not in a box within the case it's physically it the it's in a top loader and it literally just sits when you open the top of the case when you, when you open a case up there's a piece of cardboard and under that piece of cardboard between the boxes and the piece of cardboard is is that case card so yeah select Openly answered the question today. In the yeah, and it was fantastic they that, you know, on it. that they did actually. Yeah, RGV's very own Peter Buchanan asked the question. Yep, and they responded and they to responded. it. So good, so good on Select, and you know, thanks for jumping on social media and answering that. No problem. Um, so look, don't stress on it. There's been lots of questions and lots of threads about it. Just, I, I think, in simplest terms, just realize these milestone highlight cards and case cards, throwing again case cards, are two different beasts. Yeah. Um, and to give a bit of clarity too, this year. So they did Pendlebury, Selwood, and Buddy last year in yeah. Series 2. Yeah. There was no one that's hit the 300-game milestone until literally so two weeks put, ago. They could have put it they could have. Yeah. So Series 2 that's coming out, you know, in the next month or whatever, that was built five, six months ago. So there was no one to do a 300-game case card for. So it wasn't that they ignored it this year. There just wasn't any to do. So there will definitely be case cards next year, as Select responded. Um, my guess, and what I said last week on the show, is that I think it'll be a case, a case hit. Um, yeah, they, will they it, get inserted as case, case hit, like one in 12 box hits or yep, whatever. Yeah, yep. and, you know, there's already, what, say, three or four guys that have got milestones this year. Yeah, so that'd be so there's 200, there's right. 800, they're going to get it right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so that's our guess. Um, and look, I see Peter Crisp asked the same question, so I hope that answers for you too, Crispy. But, um, yeah, don't fear. And look, Bodie Brown asked a question somewhere tonight about the value of those sets. Um, look, it's really hard to say. Like, a lot of these big master sets that have gone over lots and lots of years, you know, it's so hard to value. And also, you've got to find someone that wants to but buy Historically, it they're very hard to get. Very hard to get. A limited amount of people ever access them to begin with. Yep. And it means also there was individuals, because they were purchasing so much stock, yep. that had the lion's share of them amongst a small group. So yep. they they are, uh, look, uh, from memory, and I have not looked at case cards for a long time, they're certainly going to be outliers. It was generally a non-signed version number to 200, was sort of going somewhere around the 50 mark. I know there were some outliers maybe up around the 100 mark. Yep. But, you know, the lowest ones you would find a bargain would be maybe 30 bucks or something like that. They were around 50 and then the case card signatures, depending on the player, was anywhere from like two fifty up to like a thousand bucks. You know, the Nick Rewell ones were very expensive. For example, I've seen them ranging five hundred to nine hundred. Yeah, well, I mean, I picked up the cloak case signature card um, 
I remember at the time it was a bargain. I think I paid three hundred fifty dollars yeah. for it. You know, they're about six, seven, eight hundred dollar cards. So definitely the signature ones are super valuable. Yeah. Um, the regular ones, look, I think it's a fantastic set. I know there's a few people that do collect them. So um, yeah, great set. Don't stress. Ashley Brown's popped in a heap of good comments. Uh, I've so I'll just give you a quick acknowledgement. So just yeah, well, I'll get to Ashley. Right. So yeah, Dacos. Everyone's talking about the Dacos Brothers DPSs. Um, so Nick Dacos is not going to be till next year. So you remember the DPSs that they do if they do it in Series Two are for the players that are playing this year. We'll get the current Diakos. No, he's been around a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. So there's so Nick Dacos da DPS. So Nick Dacos next year, the brother. Yeah, he's going to. But go the current Diakos doesn't have a DPS. No. Did he get picked higher than what their other pick was? He must have. Oh, he would have gone father's son, father, so it would have son. gone some weird. So he doesn't get, yeah, yeah. Okay, so no yeah. DPS. Yeah, but yeah, so that'll um, that'll happen next year at some point. Um, interesting question. Let me read this out. Interesting from Ashley Brown. Interesting question. Reckon there might be a, f a f lull when he retires, but they'll jump again when he goes back to the Hall of Fame, which is likely a legend. I believe that's following up about the Dusty thing. Someone else asked asked earlier on, do we see Dusty cards? their prices dropping. I mean, the you know, I think there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off at some point, um, especially if Richmond certainly starts to struggle. It's the, the question... But is it going to go to... Yeah, it, it's a bigger question of what is the ceiling. I feel yeah. like Are we dusty, dusty cards have already gone... No one could predict the value of what some of those cards are going for now. It doesn't matter how bullish you were about Absolutely. prices going up. There's no way... But it almost feels like there is just so much demand for Dusty cards and demand across the board right now that I continue to say it. Like, each time we're seeing one of these big shifts upwards and people talk about, oh, it's just going to fall off a cliff and crash, I don't believe that's the case. I believe we're setting new benchmark levels because the new entry of participants, the rate of new entry is so significant yep. that there's enough new entrants who buy at immediate ask price that it just keep it maintains a new level in the market. So you could say that there's cards now going for five hundred this week that as recently as two months ago were only going for three hundred. You got people sitting there that don't have them going, well, I'm waiting because I know it's going to come back to three hundred. Yep. But the reality is it actually won't come back to three hundred. It'll more likely move up to seven hundred from five, and if anything, pull back down to the five point. I feel yep. like the, the the highs are setting new low like new new higher lows basically if that makes sense yep so yeah it, it crystal ball you know i'm hoping richmond prices go really cheap so i can buy up even more dusty cards but the reality is probably won't happen uh james question here look we've talked I'm about just this. conscious james an nba person yeah yeah so yeah. That, that's why i'm like yeah. james happy to sort of field a couple of these questions you're asking is a jersey number card worth more or does it not matter in regards to price so for AFL, and if you want to go back and have a look at a couple of previous episodes, we've certainly talked about this. In AFL with numbering, jersey numbers and 001s can be worth sort of two, two and a half, three times a standard price. And then we've got what's known as lows, which are 01 to 09. Yeah. And they can be worth one and a half times, a little bit more depending on the player. Yeah. So absolutely, they are certainly worth more. Um, if you get a jersey number of a good player and a good card, they're going to be worth a lot more yeah. money. So just to add to the conversation on the jersey number thing and the values, and for those who have stuck with us for the last couple of months, actually, on the pod, and we've talked a little bit about this, I have been keeping a keen eye the last few weeks since AJ posed the question to me is how do I value them? And I sort of said, well, I break it down that the more valuable the, the card is from the outset, so if it's a lower numbered card, if it's a card number to 40 and its base its base level price is 1,000, I think it can only go to two, two and a half, maybe three X on a, on a jumper or an O one. Yeah. Whereas if it's a lower type of card, say a red or orange parallel number to 210 or 170, I think th there's a higher multiple starts to apply. Yep. Um, and I've certainly noticed that that seems to be reflected in the sales and the transactions that I've seen go through over the last couple of weeks. So I definitely maintain, maintain that position. So again, for example, if a normal orange from Prestige, a normal number St Kilda card, whoever the player is, is going for $7, I would likely pay for the for an 01 or a jumper number, I would be paying probably between $30 and $50. Whereas if a marquee is $400 for the jersey or jumper number, I'd be looking to pay probably under 1000 for it still. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Um, in five years, I'll like Jared question. Um, I'll move through. Heaps of these are banking up, so I will try to get on it. 
as quick as I can. In five years, do you see team coaches a little kid set or serious collectors will be chasing master sets? I mean, Jara, the, the big difference between team coach and, say, select is team coach is a game card, which is directly targeted to kids, whereas select is a collectible trading card. So I think there is always going to be master set collectors that collect everything. Will there be some crossover? Will team coach move to team coach collectors move to select? Maybe will select collectors move to team coach? Probably, Probably seeing a bit of both happen. Yeah, but I, but I think yeah. that the key distinguisher between team coach and select is team coach is a game card. It's it's gamified for kids. It's designed as a mass market product targeted at children engaged in an online way is what yep. it is. It's not designed as a collector's product. Correct. That's the but big difference. Like with everything and like with all the other types of gaming cards that are sport or non-sport related, when there's a huge interest in the hobby and the marketplace overall, you start to see sideways movement and people move from one thing to another, just like how we're seeing all the NBA folks and whatnot moving into AFL. And so many as I've started to buy pops. Thanks, yeah. Mix. You know, last few days, pe yeah. people are always going to look this for guy, new 10 things. Ten years behind the trend line, he finally bought some pop vinyls. And I first pop I got today, I just ripped straight out of the packet, which yeah, I know okay. is just like, oh, know, Dale. Yeah. So uh, well, let me keep see, moving. We see, we see that. That's not a question though, Dale. What's going well, on actually, here, Ferrell? Well, well we we're answering questions from the fans, Dale, and already I saw a little bit further on. Someone asked, "Will you ever smile?" Probably not. But good to have you on board, Dale. Obviously, Dale runs uh, everything over at Sherry, and if you get your BGS grading over there, which I see a grading question later on, which I'll get to, um, certainly give Dale a shout-out. And Cherry Footy as well. Yeah, Cherry Footy. So, Dale, really you can well. maybe answer this for us as well in the comments. Is I'm assuming BGS Beckett is set up at the NCC as well, and are they taking submissions as well? You may have missed at the beginning of the show. I did just let everyone know about the news from PSA that they have closed their submissions at the show. So I wonder if BGS... Is copying the same demand. Yep, for sure. Um, Dale, obviously, answer that. I'll keep moving. There's heaps of questions. Lee Brown, do you see a do you guys see a day when certain collectors won't whinge about access to boxes from select on release day? No, no. because it, and it's not, it's not just trading <laughs> cards. Like, well, that's the world we live. Whether it's sneakers, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. It, it. Could, it could be the difference between home brand noodles and magic noodles, and yep. someone will complain about it. That's the nature of the way the world works. Obviously, this is. Uh, the market is, is small and it's very engaged and we all see it at a very magnified level basically so yeah. it's, it's you know it's very prevalent all right so question here from wade and look um i'll read i'll read this out and obviously i don't want to go into this too much but i will touch on it put your other businesses aside guys and obviously we're involved with rgb breaks and collectibles and all sorts of other things but a break is taking away stock from kids and the general public there was a very interesting article on the abc or apd with, with um Trigger from APT Collectibles in the news last week. So, look, I obviously there was a, a thread about this, which people can go and find on Really Good Vibes, where I certainly spoke my piece. And I personally think that it was a, a missed opportunity, probably, that um, could, yeah, I'll get to the set, um, a missed opportunity where we could have promoted things a bit better. But to talk about breakers taking stock away from kids. Sorry, let me just pause you for one okay. second. Yep. Before that article came out, an interview took place. That article was a was a takeaway from an from audio an, um, yeah. interview. So an interview took took place on ABC Ballarat several days prior, and then ABC decided to turn it into an editorial. Um, and we were obviously aware. Oh, Siri, Siri again. Yeah. We were obviously aware. We were aware of the audio interview, and we happened to listen to that a few days earlier. We yeah. certainly didn't know it was going to come out as an article, but. You know, and we had a private conversation amongst ourselves when we heard the original audio and just said the same thing, like... Disappointing. It's just, it's probably a missed opportunity where that they're asking about basically, you know, the radio, the question from the radio station was trying to position it of why is, what, why is everything selling out, I suppose? Why is everything selling out? And, and I just thought, like, rather than using the opportunity to promote the success of the hobby and how many people are coming into it and how many great opportunities and people don't have to miss out the opportunities are there. Yep. It was, I felt it was a little bit targeted at, at anyway, from yeah. one business to, to others. Yeah, and look, yeah, I don't really want to get into that, but touching on the thing about whether or not breaks are taking away boxes from kids. Well, the answer is no. Um, you know, there was plenty of stock around for weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, we've still got starter packs of footy stars sitting on the shelf here. Yeah. Um, there are still news agents. And again, you can read all this on that thread. 
people certainly talked about their news agents and 7-Eleven still having stock now. So I don't think it's a simple one plus one equals evil breaks. I think breaks do some fantastic things for the community in getting cards in the collection, as do online stores, as yeah. do eBay, all these sorts and of things. everything will get scapegoated at different points of in course. time. That's, that's the nature of it. And, and uh, you'll see, as things continue to grow and as the hobby is impacted by demand and the hobby is impacted by technology and innovation, you'll continue to see as we go through transitional change, yep. different people take different views. And, and you know, uh, at the same time, any publicity is good publicity. Absolutely. We're part of a fantastic hobby at a great time. I've always said we'll all look back on this and be so thankful to have been part of it through this fantastic era, which will probably become another golden era retrospectively. And, 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 let, and let me also yeah. add to that, you know, there are so many fantastic, I mean, all the people that are in the business of cards and, you know, Trigger at APT, whether it's Gat and Cremona, yeah. whether it's Sunshine Collectibles, whether it's EJs, whether it's... Yeah diggers in Sydney, yeah. um, you know, us, whatever, I'm not, you know, there are so many people that are in the business of cards which are doing so many great things to help build all, and support. All, and they're all critical to the ecology. And that's the thing. Like, Absolutely. We need all of them. We're, yeah. we're not having a go at, at anyone. the perspective of that article like maybe yeah. some people may be assuming. And I think our history shows, like, whether, whether it is APT and Anthony, for example, who was the one that was interviewed, and it's from the perspective of him, We've promoted his business extensively yeah. on Card Authority through our other businesses. We've done a lot of business and we'll continue to do a lot of business in the future. Anthony does, Anthony does great work. And that, that, that's and exactly right. And, and that's right. And, you know, he's had his online store for 10 years, which has yeah. been a mainstay of eBay. And you've got these big, these big players who have been around for a long time and there's significant change taking place. But make no mistake, their contribution over the last 10 years is what's allowed the hobby to even get to this point. Absolutely. Because if you don't have them there, you don't have the volume being moved, the publishers and the manufacturers can't create the product, the market doesn't exist for it. Yep. And none of us can come along because there's no cardboard for, cardboard for us to come for. And again, I think that connects back to the breaking situation of, from a collector's standpoint, it's a real funny, it's a catch-22 situation. You get collectors who sit there and go, well, breaks are ruining it, it's pushing up the price, it's making everything expensive. However, at the end of the day, it's not the breaks that determine the price. The market sets the price based on the demand. If the value of singles is going up, then the reality is a product becomes worth more than this packaging that it's in, so it pushes up that price. Therefore, breaks become a accessible way with a low barrier to entry for lots of people to get involved, but to get involved in getting just what they want and not the rest that they have to then turn over. Um, but breaks, it, more importantly, is I said to AJ before the show tonight because we thought this was actually going to come up. We knew, we knew, we knew at least a few people would probably raise this question because it's been a hot topic. The reality of the situation is, and we're going to look at Certified 16 as a real life example. Yep. There's no hypotheticals here, there's no, there's no speculation. This really happened. Certified 2016 was not a successful release when it came out. It literally not a huge amount sold to the resellers or the retailers, and a lot of what did ended up getting returned, either yep. back to Select or to the distributor. That product sat for years and years and years on pellets. Re in reality, I paid more for a Jack Stevens certified signature than I paid for any other player's ink or any other type of certified signature for any of those releases. And this was in 2020. I didn't buy the card till last year. And I didn't buy it because I could never actually find one. And I couldn't understand why I could never find one. And then I started, began to realize, well, the reason I've never found this card is because all the stock is sitting unopened. Yep. So as a collector, one of the hardest cards for me to complete my set at that point in time was simply because it wasn't opened. And then what happens? The product starts getting broken throughout mid-2020 and the Jack Stevens start popping up. And what was really funny is I think I paid 50 or $60 for one. And then I ended up picking up a low number for $30 so, six months later. So I guess the key, the key sort of, you know, and we've probably gone a bit long-winded and Jenks loves to talk, as we all know. But the key thing is, in my opinion, if boxes are being broken and open, there's more cars in the ecology, the ecosystem, yeah. people can then build their sets. So whether, so whether it's that Select is distributing more boxes directly to consumers or flippers are buying them and selling them so more boxes are open or whether it's breaks or whatever it might be. All we want as collectors 
is the cards to be open Correct. so then people can get to them absolutely um the pricing and the demand of that stuff that works itself out in the long run yep. you know people will either buy it or they won't anyway i've got so many questions here i've got to yeah. keep moving james otherwise. the case cards and case card sticks are another good example from certified 16. they're impossible to find until the product started getting open because the case won't open because the case won't open yep yeah uh it's a little we actually talked about this hayden bradford as ak i was actually aj works at select he doesn't work there, he owns it. How long do we get a mark of the year or a goal of the year predictor of footy stars? Um, I think I've spoken to this in That's the past. That's a great idea. It'll never happen. That is a cool, that is no, cool. It'll Conceptually, happen. it's cool, but I don't think it's viable. Because it's a voted on it's award. Voted. It's not like a Brownlow or a Coleman that's actually data-driven. Yeah, yeah. Um, goal of the year, I think, and mark of the year is voted on by fans, and it's all a little bit dodgy. Okay, so it can be manipulated. It can be manipulated. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's probably why they won't ever do a rising star one. But they did have, there was previously, they had not predictors, but there was goal of the year. Mark It'll be cards. cards. They used but to they be, won't do I'm trying to remember, I think it was around 2011 or something like that. It was like a silver subset, the equivalent of a highlight, basically, is what yep. they had. So yeah. Stephen Costello, how about the grading of AFL cards? Seems to be more people doing it nowadays. It's kicking off. Um, yeah, grading's we're, we're coming. We've the talked bubble, about it for ages. The, bubbles are, there. the yeah. bubbles are just starting to come up, Stephen. You're seeing it. We're seeing and I'm it. sure Dale will certainly say that he's noticed more of that coming through Cherry. I mean, we've talked about grading when we will continue to talk about grading for ages. I mean, yeah. I've graded cards, so has Janks. Yeah. It's coming. It'll happen. Um, all right. So uh, give Dale some happy hippos. <laughs> um, Luke's question's a good one. Yep. Why do you, Luke Hoyle, why do you think there's a big price increase for 01 and jersey numbers in AFL where US sports is not mentioned? I think the numbering aspect, and again, Luke, we've talked it's about general this. numbering and then that transferring into the importance of particular numbers where because grading hasn't been such a big thing. Yeah, it's been short, number focused. Short print in AFL is only considered on the basis of serial numbers. Yep. So you wouldn't look, you know, like let's look at a, a silver prism. People know silver prisms are reasonably short print. But in AFL, for that card to have value, it needs to be numbered. Yep. Yeah. And then that transfers then into jersey numbers. I think it's because it narrows a chase, basically, Luke. I think it starts off as it narrows a chase. Then all of a sudden, one person has something that no one else has. And as we all know, everyone wants what yep. someone else, what, what they can't have sort of thing. So yep. that's what's created that. A question from Robert. If PSA and CGA are so popular with up to 12 months waiting for graded cards, is there a need in the marketplace for another company to start up? Is the process of grading very technical? Have you guys thought about startup? Um, obviously, look, we have a whole different range of ventures that we explore. Yeah. Um, you know, that's no secret. We looked at it. We, we, um, we looked at it 12, 12 months, ago. months ago. Yeah, we yeah. 12 months ago. And we did a lot of due diligence into it, a lot of due diligence. We're, we're, we're certainly not experts on grading. Um, that's not to say we won't look at something in the future, but we've, yeah. got, we've got something we're talking about at the moment which... We'll talk about in the future, but um, we won't be doing grading ourselves. It's just not our expertise. And at the moment, yeah, we don't need to sort of yeah. go in that. Um, well, Wado, don't stress. We're not taking it as directed at us, but we saw it as a good opportunity because AJ was quite public in his commentary of what he thought about the situation as well. So it was a good opportunity for us to clarify. And people can go and see that thread. It's on really good vibes. Yeah. Go and check it yeah. out. Um, and, and here's the thing. There's no right or wrong way. That's absolutely subjective. The, fact, the factual side of it is that more cards get out into the marketplace, more pack, more product gets opened at a, at a faster rate, which therefore should allow people to complete collections sooner. Yep. Um, uh, a jumper number of footies finest came out this week from Certified. If boxes are not getting busted, these cards won't come out. Absolutely, absolutely spelled on, Pete. Um, and certainly there is, you know, there's, I mean, we've still got a little bit of Certified in 16 and 17, yep. you know, it, there was a, a huge, like, if, say, 30% of it got open when it got released, I reckon 50% of it got open last year. Yeah. Because as the sealed stock got de destroyed, people were looking for other things to break premium yep. products. Um, there wouldn't be that much of it in the wild that's not opened. No, nah, you would think it, you've got to be down to probably... Sub 10% of yeah. both. Yeah, you yeah. think maybe 50 cases, less than 50 cases out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we haven't seen much around for a long time. Nah. You know, the last case that we bought was off select last year. So yep. it's been a long time. Well, and that's the thing. People don't realise you could still buy cases of certified 16. In like December. Was yeah, December, was December. At retail yeah. price, yeah, retail. which was $2,800. I can't remember. Well, whatever, whatever it was. We, we bought well, yeah. you know, two of the last few cases. Yeah. Yeah. We bought a couple since then. Yeah, but yeah that's right. Uh, 
Wado, is there any re actual reason to get a card graded? It always confused me because I see base cards right through premium cards, even outright rubbish. What's the theory? Again, I think with NBA, because there wasn't the same sort of number. Not just NBA, all international yeah. product, the quality of the product and the confirmation that it's a real and a short print real version yep. and the population, proof of population basically is what gives it resale value. Yep. So a lot of it's on the basis. So you've got two, two ways of thinking here. And sorry to steal your thunder, but... You know, you know, one side of it is people trying to increase the value of cards for resale or investment purposes. The other side of it is people wanting protection for their cards and guaranteed protection in a physical nature. So a lot of people aren't happy with a top loader or one touch. They actually want their whole collection slapped. Yep. And that can be for um, looking after it because obviously it's airtight. It might be for display. It might be for resale and value. Um, I think the grading aspect and the increasing the value of mid to lower range cards so they become a little bit more unique with populations. Yeah. Um, again, you know, we've talked about that in depth, but yeah. we're just not there yet with AFL. I think it's getting really close. And obviously CGA, there's heaps of cards pumping out of CGA, um, but we'll see what happens. You know so what I mean? Check out. Yeah. In a, in oh, a, yep. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I was going to get to that. First of all, uh, how many goals are McKay and Kerno going to kick this week against the Saints defence? Well, I'm hoping none because I'm sweating a Jack Rewald Coleman predictor. I've also got a Jack Rewald Coleman predictor as well. Yeah. And I'm still confident that Max King can kick 25 goals each week. Then Probably he's not. Get, he's get so, Graham, I know you're a big Blues man, but hopefully zero. I hope they both run into each other and don't do any serious injury, but are just confused. Saints have got a shorter back line as well. Um, two questions here, very similar. Glenn... Uh, what we saw with 16 and 17 serve as a slow sale and then massive boom for supremacy in 19. Where is all of 18 Legacy? Okay, so 18 Legacy sold out at the time. Yep. And presumably people who realised how hot the future Hall of Fame subset was going to be yep. probably you know banked a bunch of cases. Um, but again, just to, to give some backstory here, certified 2000, honours 2014. Let's go all the way back. Honours 2014. And I'm very sorry if anyone from Select is watching, Grant, Robbie, or otherwise. Honors 2014 was not a great product. No, of course it not. bombed super hard. They made the adjustments they needed to in 2015. Honors 2015 was successful. Yep. Over time, it sold out. It may have taken a year or two, but it eventually sold out at a distribution level. Certified 16 came out. It bombed. It was underwhelming. Certified 17, they bring out the influential. Give it huge value. It's sold. It's sold out over a period of time. Now it did take a couple of years, but it's still sold out. Yep. Legacy 2018, recipe for success. First product to sell out within the calendar year in like a decade or whatever it was. Yep. That sells out. Then the next year comes around. Footy Stars is already hotter than what Champions or Footy Stars had been before. Whatever it was, it's 2019. They introduced dominance. Captain signatures are back. Products hot, sells out within a few weeks. Yep. Supremacy, then 2020, and it's just... And, you, and you look, know. I'll certainly say, like, I know when I was backfilling my Richmond set, the legacy cards were were certainly the harder ones to get. Because um, they were already tighter, yeah. Well, tighter. I mean, the Future yeah. Hall of Fame was lucky to get, but, I mean, trying to get the hollows and stuff Hard like to that. to get to the price. Well, no, well. they just went around. Oh, yeah, They okay. weren't around. I eventually got them, but yeah. they certainly weren't around as much. So I don't know whether someone's sitting on a heap of cases yeah. or it just doesn't exist. No, there's definitely a lot. It's, it's out there. There's no doubt it's out there. So, Aaron, you've asked a similar question, so um, I hope that answers that. <clears throat> Marty, uh, where do we see 2021 Optimum Case reselling it for if anyone gets one? Well, first of all, we don't even know what the case of the box price is. If we assume that it's let's the work same, off last year, let's work on the same. So yeah. they were what twenty eight hundred dollars. I mean, the way things are going, it's going. It's like two hundred sixty five dollars a box or something. Two thirty four. Two thirty two thousand retail. Yeah, or two forty. Yeah, two thousand eight hundred divided by twelve. Okay. <laughs> it was tw was it twenty eight hundred was the retail yeah. price last year? Yeah. 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 Something like that. Okay. I think it's like two thirty four yeah. a box. Um, so do I, you know, depends I would, what's in them. It depends what's in it, but you know, being the fact that the evil breakers want them, um, I would say, <laughs> I would say it's probably going to double in price. Like pretty much every release, and you know, how much further it goes is all going to depend what's actually in it. But I mean, no one knows. Um, it's it's fair to say you would think that if the last twelve months is anything to go by, 
it's going to get snapped up in seconds off select's of website yep. it's going to disappear very quickly it'll be on ebay that within hours and yep. probably double the price yep. yeah yeah so um in saying that it can't just keep going up because it's got to reach it's a, a point where it's unbreakable well and I'll, I'll give an example dale i'll get to your question i put on the screen here you know we talked about this with dominance the dominance was a $2,800 case. Yeah. It got to $5,000 a case for... Yeah, $5,500. Well, yeah, yeah. and then, then it crept to fifty five. Yeah. A few people held out thinking it was going to go six, six and a half. It became unbreakable and unusable right. at 5500 right. and kind of dropped back to 5000 Yeah. So at that basis, it didn't even double in price. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it's like cards are... It can only go so high because people are only going to the market will dictate how much. They but that's the thing. But that, that's also that idea that in people's minds breakers just clean up. Like yeah, again, full disclosure, we have dominance that we picked up secondary market at that very high price point late yep. last year. If you've been in our breaks in the last couple of weeks, that's exactly what it is, and we're literally getting our money back on it, and that's all. Yeah, we don't and we've had to sit on it for nine months. Yeah. For nine months later, we literally we bought it at the top of the market. And that's a, tr a decision that we made at the time. Like, and, and that's just what I, happened. I, yeah, but again, yeah. that's the point. Like, there's, you know, yeah, I don't really it's want to a go. Good, it's, a good, it's like, you know, if you bought boxes of NBA Prism two months ago on pre-order and paid $800 for them, you and you're a breaker, them. but you can only break them right now at $450, you're well, you're them. taking the hit. So yeah. the money you made off Noir a month ago is irrelevant. Yeah. You, do you know what I mean? Like, All right, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, Dale's question, do you reckon if the 001s that were always available, that they have extra value now, so like keeping them made people think they are special, so now everyone wants them, I think they'd be worth a lot less now if you could get them all along. I mean, it's an interesting question, but the 002s were valuable That's because the, they I, thought I they double the first off the line mindset. And there has been talk, and I don't, I'm not speaking for select here, you can speak for select, but they have certainly said over the last 12 months, even on that cardboard addicts and or whatever, uh, yeah. cover whatever the shows, that they're going to look at ways of perhaps putting them back into the ecosystem down the track. Yeah. So again, I'm only speculating. Next year is their thirtieth anniversary, is it? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some older cards come out. Again, I'm just absolutely guessing. Just trying to find out quickly. I'll find <laughs> just out. Just check your email, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Copley. Mr. Copley. Yeah. Yeah. So what's happening with those over? Oh, sorry, guys. Commercial incompetence. So, look, uh, it's a good question. It's a good question, though. I think 001s, again, it's a very much an AFL thing. It's not an NBA thing. They're always going to be popular. Um, so, yeah. my, my pre-2017 or pre-2018, 2018 is when the 01s got introduced. Before then, 02 was technically the first number in circulation. Um, Dale, to be honest with you, um, I don't know if I should be proud of it or not. I've paid the same money for 02s. Pre 2018 is what I paid because they are no the current 01s because I view them as the same. Now, Select goes and puts the 01s into circulation. Well, I, I, don't know. I still love my 02s, but it's going to be frustrating. I'm going to have to go find all That's the 01s. I'm going to have to go find all the 01s. I'm going to all So, this is a good question from Steve. Let's get serious. What happened to the monitor? Janks, tell us. This is your chance. I don't know. I, I Look, I may have been shifting, <laughs> I may have been shifting some lights around. <laughs> And the only logical explanation is if someone wasn't snipering me from a few hundred yards away, is that uh, I knocked them. I don't know. Say it, so. I don't know. But who cares? Because now yeah. we've got the 32 inch that I'm staring at right now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, that's a good one. Can't get a 2018 Pendles Future Hall of Fame or a Refractor Pendles. I imagine they're probably being held hoarded by yeah. somebody. A lot of them, a lot of them came out, yeah. and presumably because there was so many less people participating in the hobby at that time, the cards would have been a lot less valuable than the modern pricing. And as a result, people who collected bought up a lot of them. You know, we're seeing a big trend of bulk collecting taking place at the moment. It's nothing new. The only difference is people used to be scared to advertise what they were doing or show off what they were doing. It was almost like you couldn't be proud of your collection because people would despise you and call you out and abuse you for collecting multiples. So, yeah, it's always happened. Um, Jay, will there be limits on how many boxes everyone gets? Well, I mean, that's what they've been doing so far. I, I think we said last episode, we're looking at similar, similar production run to Prestige, we would think similar sort of limits. Well, historically, it's less for Series 2. So yeah. if you could buy four for Prestige, when there was 700 cases, and if it's the same as last year, it was 500 cases. Yeah. So maybe it's three. Maybe it's three. Um, three and one. So there's going to be some limits. Select Who knows it. what it'll Select be. Select the club. 
Yeah, or select SSC. I still think they should have called it the Selector Club. Missed opportunity. Yeah, missed um, opportunity. Do you think you'd be able to buy cases from Select? No. No one will be able to buy cases from Select. I think Select has been pretty open in saying, or, it's not happening. you know, yeah. they've, they've been saying at least from to dealers, to retailers, that from a public standpoint, the days are really gone of cases. Yeah. yeah. That, that's and it has been that way for a yeah. year already. Yeah. I can't get a Norton. Well, Glenn, I can't help you. Sorry. Norton's been hoarded since the first day his cars were ever released. Generally by his family. Yeah. There's still the um, other one on the rise on eBay, though. <laughs> do you want to see cars numbered lower than marquees in footy stars and prestige? Um, we've talked about this a couple of times too, James. We think the sweet spot is about 40, and we talked about this in detail the other week. We did. Um, there will be some cards, we presume, in Supremacy that are going to be 25, which yeah. is similar to the 2019 yeah. list. I can't see them getting any lower. I think our general consensus is we both agree, and we don't always agree on things, but we both agree that 25 is the absolute minimum point. Um, it's always been the minimum. It's shown that it's a minimum, but we also believe now that 25 it's starting to become too low at this point because there's so many new people in the hobby and so many new people coming in. So supremacy is going to be really interesting with, you know, Premiership Brownlee double signatures and booklets if they're numbered to 25 and if they do them both again. They're going to be hard to get. It's going to be, yeah, that's that's going to be really, yeah. Open Mike Knight and AJ's bringing in the comedy. I mean, he's a funny guy. I uh, I get to to see the show every day. There you go. Um, But James, oh, yeah, but James also, don't worry. You'll be able to get low free our cards. You'll be right, yeah. Um, is Buddy, this is from Crispy, um, is a Buddy PC realistic or are these prices going to go bonkers once he retires? Well, I'd already argue that Buddy is pretty collectible now. So anyway. Buddy gets prices for a player that would be at a Victorian club for Sydney. Yep. His prices are disproportionate for, for interstate clubs, basically. Yep. And that's a reflection of people liking him as a player and wanting to, wanting to buy his cards or, or collect his cards and have those cards. Um, I don't think there's a huge amount of speculation going on here at the moment for people who are... Well, we just lost that. Uh, we for, for people who are speculating or investing. Yep. But uh, uh, I certainly... Yeah, I think it could be one for the future. Could uh, be one for the future. Like a knickknack almost as well. Yeah, I, I think, look, you know, Buddy already has a quite a strong Hawthorne fan base that have followed him across the Sydney. I know a lot of Hawthorne collectors that still buy his Sydney cards. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a trend once someone retires that their value does drop a little bit in cards. But he's going to be a really good case example for that because I think he is well collected at the moment. Yeah. Um, do you, this is from Corey, do you know where I can get milk that tastes like real milk, Jenks? Got milk? <laughs> no, Corey, I don't. Sorry, my wife does work for her. So uh, AJ only does almond milk these days. He was onto soy for a while, but now he's moved on to almond because he felt that the soybeans feelings were getting hurt each time he took a swig. Coke, Coke Zero is my drink of choice. And I'm, I'm not kidding, guys. Like, I'm saying this straight down the camera with a very straight face. This bloke declared to me, bloke being AJ, who I'm pointing at, that you can see over there, yep, right there. That guy declared that he's never actually had a glass of water before and his entire water contents comes out of Coke Zero. And in the time we have spent at this place, this premises we are, which is what, about six months now or something like that or thereabouts, I've only ever seen him drink Coca-Cola, like Coke Zero. Coke Zero. He's never had water. We have slabs of water and slabs of sparkling water, not once, ever, anything. Yeah, well, it is what it is. Uh, my body's a temple. Uh, from Shano, do you co- to collect cards only or other specific memorabilia? Well, I won't speak for Jenks. I, um, I've got other memorabilia. I've got heaps of Richmond stuff that's signed. I mean, now I'm collecting pops. Thanks, Minks. Yeah. I've got, I've got loads of memorabilia. I've got lots of sports memorabilia, lots of secure memorabilia, some old soccer memorabilia. In the mid, early and mid-2000s, I went through a stage of just, like, wanting to buy up lots of memorabilia from auctions and, 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 and whatnot. Are we about to get raided? That's no, Sherry. Okay. Is it? Um, yeah, so I was buying up a lot of memorabilia, so I have heaps of stuff. Jerseys, all sorts of bits and pieces, but I also have a lot of music memorabilia. I'm very fortunate in my other line of work. Absolutely. I have some pretty, very unique pieces. Yep. Yeah. Um, we'll cover that. Yeah, come here, mate. Um, wait, oh, this is a nice little bit of a humor there. You said that. Um, is it a coincidence that Optimum and Prime front is near identical? Surely one for one cards of players transforming into a team robot mascot? Um, <laughs> Very possibly, very <coughs> possibly, um, Optimus Prime for people that don't get the inside joke. 
Um, how many ways? Um, so, Danny, good question here. And, you know, considering you won't select, you can certainly answer this. Sure. How many years away are we from another licensee? Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like the licenses are so tightly held. I would have thought over the last 12 months, given what's transpired, that that's probably the time period that people would have gone hard at the AFL and all sporting codes to try and get new licenses up. I think the fact that we've seen nothing happen over the last 12 months is probably an indicator that it's status quo. I just don't think the market's big enough. Yeah. It's just not big enough. And I think that um, you're going to see some new things probably with NFTs in the future, yeah. which will obviously offer some different things. I just don't think the market is big enough for multiple licenses at the moment. And I imagine Select would hold on to their license pretty tightly. Yeah, and, and Team Coach with their game card license of course. as well, for that matter, yep. too, as well. Um, so good question, but not sure. Um, oh, here we go. This is, I think Jenks is going to be in trouble here. Oh, the ice pole sticks. Watched old episode the other day of Adam teaching Excellent how to pack cards properly using icy pole sticks. I'm using this method now, and it's still current, as I reckon the concept is great. Absolutely. And I think it's uh, it's called uh, uh, inserts episode. Yeah, inserts. Um, Cardboard school. So inserts. you basically get a card, yeah. and you put a loose paddle pop stick one way, another one that way. And it's just engineered so, so tight. So it's a fantastic way to pack cards. Um, yeah, try it. It's cheap if you don't have cardboard. I suppose. Yeah, and just so you know, so Robert, I think I did talk about it when we did that as well. I received something off eBay packed that way. And at first I thought, I was like, how's this guy taking the piss? And then I took it out of the package and I was like, no, this guy's an engineer or something. Yeah, for sure. Fun. It was absolutely genius. And... I haven't packed cards for a long time, but you know what? I'm going to make sure. I'm going to get the mix on. I was going to say, you're going to make sure the, the mix, mix doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Matus is going to get some break mail out. We're very lucky we don't really have to pack cards anymore. At the moment. Yeah, yes. we're lucky. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, great episode. Go back and check that if you want to see yeah. how to do redemptions. On a serious note, yeah, yeah, redemptions are how to pack cards and how to send, pack and send. Go back and check that out. Richo, I'll take this with tongue in cheek. What do you guys think about breakers that always find the need to talk themselves up? That, so he's talking about AJ1 clearly here because we know that AJ1 is the greatest. Settle. He's the greatest there settle, ever was. Settle, settle, settle. The greatest there ever will be at life. No, but this is going to tie in nicely. And I, look, Richo, we're happy to talk ourselves up regardless of whether we're breakers. But that leads, segues nicely into Dale's question. Do you think breaking could be at the Brisbane Olympics? Oh. I mean... We've talked about, oh, Dale, I haven't even told AJ about the live conversation that, no, we'll talk about that off you, me, yeah. and Jules had on a break the other night. Yeah, we're doing the break Olympics. You, right. just, you just don't know about it yet. All right. I haven't filled him in. I'll fill him in afterwards. I totally well, forgot we'll, about we'll that. We'll circle back to you about that, Dale. Uh, next episode, good to see AJ's man cave. Well, when you, you know, Shane asked that question before, if we collect things, if you ask my wife, she would say, I just collect a lot of shit in my office. It's literally like a dungeon full of stuff. That's why I always hang out here. Yeah. James's man cave is very impressive. It's just got like full life-size posters of Seb Ross. Yeah, mine's stains yeah, all over. That's them. right. Mine's like yeah, very man cavey. His is more Fritzel chamberish, and yeah. Um, do you think the AFL will ever move into sticker signatures? Maybe, Marty. Stickers were huge, um, sort of in the nineties. Um, Does yeah. Select still have the license for stickers? I imagine they would. Yeah. That is a good question. We'll take that question oh, on notice. Ask Grant. Hang on one sec, guys. Mr. Co Mr. Copley, come here now. Excuse me, sir. What's happening with the stickers? Oh. Sorry, guys. Commercial incompetence. All right. So, look, we're no, a couple I don't, of questions. I don't know. We'll, we'll, assume that they're going to bring back We'll get this winding out nice and clear. Stickers are awesome. Um, but, yeah, the stickers are really awesome. So, look, thank you very much, guys. Obviously, Sher's come in here to ordered us. Um, if anyone's never seen Daniel Sher before, this is the great man, Daniel Sher. He's, He's the, down to visit the us. brains, the operation, the number one. Maybe, maybe the other major shareholder of Select. Maybe. maybe. Um, but, you know, if you do anything wrong, good vibes. Sher's he looks like Jack Rewalt. That's what they There say. is a bit of Jack Rewalt. We'll get some signatures if you want. Also, if you've seen Billions, you know, sure has been, you know, spending a bit great of off-season. Um, all right, so look, last question here. We'll wrap it up because we are hitting the 70-minute mark. Is it worth insuring high-end cards? How would insurance companies value them? So the short answer is yes. Um, 
But let's hold that for next episode because you do insure your cards. I sure so you can run through everyone the correct process of yeah. how to make sure insuring stuff properly. Yeah. Let's not try to squeeze yeah. it in now. Nah, all I'll say is if you don't want spam about insurance for cards, don't sign up to Beckett's website because all I get from them is an email about insurance every day. Yep. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that one next week. Yeah, we'll hold really on. Great, great, question. great question, Luke. Really great question. question. We'll talk about, yeah, contents insurance. But look, thank you very much, guys. Obviously, it's a lot of fun always doing these questions with you. I know it's... Um, mixing it up a little bit while we're in preparation for next release. I did see someone ask earlier about when we think Optima might come out. I mean, we don't know the dates, but generally as a general rule, it's about a three-week lead-in time. Yeah. We haven't even heard when release of previews are coming. Well, so normally normally the start, the first preview, normally then indicates it's, it's like, like a week more. Well, the previews take a week. They normally yeah. take up to 10 days. And then SCC. And then you have a week plus and then a week. All, and then so, shipping. So we're going to go out on a limb and say three to four weeks at a minimum. Yeah, absolutely. That's three my, to four that's weeks my guess at an absolute minimum from yeah. now. So plenty of time for everyone to go backfill their sets like I'm doing at the moment. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a little bit. We've talked about a little bit. We're going to talk about um, player collecting and how you can get those lists and good process and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. Um, lots of fun. Always great answering your questions. And we're always happy to answer questions any show. But it was nice to be able to make tonight just about you guys. Jankovic, you've been amazing as always. Grant, thank you. Cheers, Grant. Cheers. And, Grant. Uh, Cheers, no, and no, of course, was, yeah. and of course, Jack Rewalt, thank you for coming in. Appreciate for those, it. For those who are taking it very seriously, no, we don't own Select. I don't own Select. And no, Grant Copley is not in the other room. He's actually on the other side of that door over there. Good night, guys. Thank, thank you. Guys. Catch, Catch you next, next week. week. Ciao.